good morning. The opening scripture from this morning comes from Rejoice Beloved Woman, um, a translation by Barbara Monda. This is Psalm 139. Mother, you know me as no other can. My secrets are open to you. You follow my coming and my going. My plans are accomplished by your endowment. Before words drop from my lips, your touch silences them. I am struck by your knowledge. If I hide in the deepest cavern, you are there. If I fly to the highest star, you are also there. No darkness is too dark to hide from you, no light too bright to blind you. You wove my inner parts and fashioned me in my mother's womb. You watched my bones assemble and you know the contents of my soul. You watched my body grow according to your design. You recorded my deeds even before I acted. How deep are your thoughts and vast their entirety, numbered more than all the grains of sand lining every shore. You sweep away schemers who malign me. You destroy evil and save me from assassins. You test my deeds and judge my thoughts. You set a fire in my heart. I walk with you, God, along the path of my ancient sisters, Miriam, Ruth, Sarah, all are one in you. This is Psalm 8, 1 and 7 through 10 from the same translation by Barbara Monda. God, how glorious is this world that everywhere bears the mark of your touch. Your touch. I sit among the mountains and I am in awe of your beauty. The work of your fingers is everywhere my eyes turn. My, my eyes turn. The sun warms us from above, and the rocks hold us from below. From, from below. The rhythm of the oceans and the passing of the moon are all ours too, woven in us so we will be fruitful as you are. As, as you are. God, I feel the greatness of you in my bones. My, my bones. How can I properly thank you for all you have done for me? For, for me. My soul reflects your love, and my heart holds what you have made. You have made. I will be the cup from which others may drink of you, and we will all sing of your wonders. Welcome again to you all this morning. Um, as you may be aware, the Goshen Student Women's Association has been working with Chapel Planning Committee on this chapel um, in conjunction with Healthy Bodies Week, which has been going on all this week. And so again, we're glad you're here. This morning, we aim to highlight the wholeness of ourselves, to integrate our bodies, our minds, and our spirits, all of which are wholly created in the image of God and loved by the one who made us. We offer the rest of this service as a time to center yourself for the day ahead, to find strength from above, below, within, and all around you. It is a time to celebrate the whole goodness of our beings. We ask that you listen with open minds to our speakers, Deb Brubaker, Daniela Zare, and Regina Shan Stolzfus, as they share just a piece of their lives with us. Through this, we hope to recall and affirm maybe even in a new way, the intimate and infinite love our divine creator God has for us. 
Let us pray. God, who is above, below, within, and around us, be present in this space with those who speak and those who listen, with those who hurt and those who are joyful. You know us as no other can, our whole self, body, mind, and soul. May, may we see your whole goodness in ourselves and also in others. Amen. Good morning. Today we'll be, we will be singing Glory to God, and I think it's going to come up on the screen for you. Um, we also will be singing this after each reflection, um, and the instrumentalist will uh, play it through t uh, once, and then we'll sing it through twice this first time. Good morning, everyone. I've always been fortunate to have a healthy body, one that didn't hurt or have problems that routinely took me to a doctor, one that allowed me to be as active as I wanted to be and I could eat anything I wanted. And then one day in 1999, I felt a lump in my breast. I had had a mammogram two years before that, and there were no problems, so of course this was just going to be a cyst. Only it wasn't. The lump was ma malignant. I underwent three surgeries, including a mastectomy, and nine months of chemotherapy and radiation. I went from being a Rubens to being a Picasso. That year was my year in the desert. And during that time, I read and journaled intensely, and I continue that practice today. I used imagery, listened closely to my inner voice, recorded dreams, wrote poetry, and dialogued with God to keep track of my soul during this crisis. One thing a cancer diagnosis does for you is to immediately focus you on what is important. You can't get up in the morning and think, today I am not going to consider my own mortality. Cancer forced me to confront my deepest fears and beliefs. 
I was held under the thumb of God. To quote from Belden Lane in his book, The Solace of Fierce Landscapes, I was in a place of brokenness where divine mercy must suffice. That fall, soon after my diagnosis, I was planting tulip bulbs with my husband and his mom, and I honestly didn't know if I would live to see those bulbs bloom the next spring. My journey of treatment paralleled the passing and the movement of the seasons. I was diagnosed in the fall, suffered an intense winter, and was able to finish my treatment in the spring. This is a poem I wrote after those bulbs were planted in the fall, reflecting the powerlessness I felt. Like a bulb I am placed in the dark ground, deep, deep down. There I sit on top of the bone meal, helpless, motionless, solid, expectant. The dirt is pushed over me, the stick marks my spot. No one can see me now, but I am there just the same, waiting, full of promise. I am brown without a trace of green, yet within me I carry the certainty of life, but that comes later, next spring. For now I am brown and silent, swaddled by the cocoon of crumbled earth, cradled in the softness of fresh turned dirt. God sustained me in the desert of cancer and treatment, and I have emerged on the other side, and I have learned from it. I have learned how much God loves me, and how important I am, and how important it is to pay attention. Here are some of the thoughts I glean from my experience. What are the questions about my life that I am meant to explore but never to answer. God is mystery. What if mystery is the answer to my question? The journey toward getting to know divinity is to enter into the mystery. Trust God in the little things, the phone calls, the emails from friends, the books that just happen to come into your life when you need them. There is no such thing as coincidence. God breaks the vessels God wants to use. Then God puts them back together, refashioning them for a higher purpose. We have to know brokenness before we can minister to others who are hurting. Thomas Jefferson said, when you reach the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. Gertrude M. Nelson said, at the end of your rope is a holy place to be. This process of getting well is all about reclaiming myself and learning to love me. In the words of Bernie Siegel, a physician who has written several books about the spiritual aspects of cancer, if you listen, you will learn your purpose here and be able to die joyfully, knowing that you have served in your way and fulfilled the reasons for your creation. All of us in this room will die someday. But we will not die because of a specific cause. We will die because we have lived. None of us here knows how long we will live. 
but we have the joy in our living of carrying with us verses like this one, which sustained me in the desert more than any other. It's from the 43rd chapter of the book of Isaiah, verses 1 and 2. And when I read it, I want you to imagine God speaking specifically to you and saying your name. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. there. Thanks, Deb. Um, but now I'm going to be speaking about the opposite spectrum of life. Um, and I'm reading from some of the verses that were read earlier, Psalm 139. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In light of Healthy Bodies Week, I'll begin by saying that these bodies that we use, abuse, love, hate, move, sit, lie, dance, touch, and feed, these complex structures comprised of bone, muscle, tissues, blood, they are part of us and they are simply incredible. Not only that, but women in the house, this, this, this fits in about three inches, a little pear-shaped, muscular, powerful as heck organ that we call the uterus. Yeah. <laughs> so the day that I walked into the wellness center, in about October 2007, with my flu-like symptoms, I was not expecting to hear the sentence that would change the rest of my life. Ruth Stolzfus, who was the nurse practitioner at the time, was wonderful. But when this life-changing sentence ended with, you're pregnant, my world stood still. If someone ever tells you that he or she is ready to be a parent, <laughs> that person has no idea what they're talking about. No matter how educated or financially stable or socially just, or if you're a compassionate peacemaker or a global citizen or a servant leader, 
none of these things make you ready to be a parent. They help, but some of you understand and some of you will understand later. I often love to envision God as a huge pregnant woman, just carrying the earth in her womb, nurturing us and breathing from us and getting morning sickness for us and swollen feet and stretch marks and back pain and ridiculous cravings. And here we are, tiny little fetuses, swimming around in our pleasant amniotic fluid, throwing our junk and waste at her, expecting her rich placental veins to remove these wastes and toxins to be excreted and maintain our pleasant homeostasis. <laughs> and through this rich, nutritious presence of our mother, we grow, and we grow spiritually. And then we deem ourselves ripe, and we wish to be born. And of course, mother has no control over when baby wants to come. If baby is free and willing, baby is coming. And mother God better be ready with love and care. <laughs> so bear down with me, because God is delivering. And this delivery will not be forgotten. Because this is the most excruciating, painful process that, and God will be thinking that this kid better be worth it. <laughs> and then God will look down. God will look down with sweat on her brow, panting from the energy that she has lost and will say, you are my child, fearfully and wonderfully made. You are new, born to a new place, a new life. Motherhood is beautiful, and God knows that. Fatherhood is beautiful, and God knows that. And with our God-given evolutionary capabilities, we grow. We nurture our young, and as I like to think, um, we pass on our uh, compassionate peacemaking skills that we learn at Goshen College. <laughs> I swear he did that on his own. This is Micah, by the way, our son. And forming our communities, we seek the support and network needed to grow and raise our children. And it is these healthy bodies that give us a future to pass on and to continue ourselves. And with time, we'll learn the power of motherhood and the power of womanhood, which is not the same as motherhood. And we'll learn that there's something holy and sacred about pregnant women. So next time you see one, you know, Ask for permission first and touch her. <laughs> and that is life. And that is, that is incredible. Thank you.
Before I moved to this community about eight years ago, eight, yeah, eight years ago, I lived in Cleveland where I was born and raised and spent most of my life except for college and a term of service overseas. And so my school years from kindergarten on through high school, uh, the community I grew up in, the church that I went to, the neighborhood, um, the stores we shopped in, for the most part, were populated by people who looked like me. And it was different when I came here. And I got used to it. I got used to um, being in this place, but I, th there was a heightened awareness of myself, of my body, as not only a gendered body, a body gendered female, but a raced body. It wasn't that I suddenly realized this, but it was that I was aware of it. A couple of months ago, my mom, who lives in Washington, D.C., uh, which is a very black city, was hospitalized. And so I went out to see her. Um, it was sort of a, well, it was spur of the moment. She didn't plan on getting sick and plan on getting hospitalized. And so I went, and it was one of the weekends when D.C. had um, one of the worst snowstorms that they've had in I don't know how long. My uh, stepfather, my mother's husband and I would go to the hospital every day. Neither of them drive anymore, but we, we went to this hospital uh, in DC, a very black city, in a very black neighborhood, um, and we got stuck in the hospital. Transportation, public transportation wasn't running because it really, it only takes two inches of snow in DC. They got two feet, so you understand our circumstances. So public transportation wasn't running, and we thought, well, you know, at the end of our visit with mom, that a cab would pick us up and take us back to where they live. No, the cabs wouldn't run either, because it's DC and there were more than two inches of snow. <laughs> so we ended up spending the night in the lobby of the hospital, which is not as horrible as it might seem, because it's a great opportunity for people watching. And one of the most profound experiences of my life was spending the night in this hospital in Washington, D.C., and watching the shift changes and watching the security personnel and watching the nurses and the doctors and the patients and the emergency cases come in. And just about every person I saw come through that room, come through that lobby, reminded me of someone in my family. It was like this explosion of black people all over the place, which was a wonderful, wonderful thing. People who look like me, bodies shaped like mine, people who presumably get something about me. It was wonderful. And so I carry that night, um, the memory of that night, as a reminder that I um, am not always one of the few or one of the odd ones, uh, and that, um, and just the wonder and beauty of that. And so I want to share with you uh, this morning a poem written by Maya Angelou that speaks to that uh, sense of being embodied what that embodiment has meant to other people, what it means to other people, perhaps throughout history, to see persons embodied 
um, in female bodies and black bodies and what that might mean to them, and this is her response to them. It's called Still I Rise, and if you know Ben Harper's music, you know that he recorded a version of this and it's quite beautiful. Still I Rise by Maya Angelou. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Because I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like suns, with the certainty of tides, just like hope springing high, still I'll rise. Did you want to see me broken? Bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries. Does my haughtiness up offend you? Don't you take it awful hard, cause I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still like air, I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Out of a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide, leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise, bringing my gifts that my ancestors gave. I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. response to what we've heard, will you please bow your heads in prayer with us? Mother, Father, God, thank you for the empowering courage to speak our stories. You know us through and through. You heal our wounds with your intimate and infinite love. You welcome our pain and sorrow and give us time to mourn. You are present in us as we sit with each other's stories of hope, pain, and joy. Give us the courage to trust in you as we face difficult times in our lives. Thank you for the gift of wholeness and for our unique selves. Divine Creator, you are in each one of us and help us to experience our lives fully embodied. Each of us has different passions and dreams that we seek to live out daily. You have birthed each one of us with unique minds, souls, and bodies. Thank you for the gift of life and for our bodies. Mothering God, you are the giver of all life. Amen. Amen. 
So in response to what you've heard already this morning, um, we'd like to invite you to participate in a, a ritual reflection and affirmation. Um, at the end of each of your rows are small pieces of paper and hopefully something to write with as well. So you could distribute those among yourselves and then begin to think of um, some way that, that um, your goodness, some part of you, your body, your mind, or your soul, um, is affirmed by God. Um, as people who are beloved and created by God, you, we invite you to write a word or a short phrase affirming something of your wholeness. Um, and as the music plays, you may bring those forward as an offering to our divine creator and place them in the baskets that are at the front of the room. Closing song.
Please stand with me as we end with our final song, In the Lord. The instrumentalist will play it through once, and then I'll bring you in. fiery mothering one you cause the rain to fall soaking us with your blessing you show your promise in strangers surrounding us with your love our bodies reflect your goodness resting in your care open our eyes Sophia that we may truly see you're free to go <laughs> 